0: Well, good morning, welcome to Emmanuel, you guys excited, you ready to be here, (laughs) excited? You pumped? I'm excited, I'm ready to give this talk, I'm trying to preach these days like this will be the last sermon I ever give, so I'm trying to leave it all on the court, and by the way, I'm also excited about the NBA All-Star game tonight, anybody else?
1: Uh, It's exciting,
0: (laughs) going to tape that, go through the commercials, very, very exciting, and uh, so just watched the slam dunk contest last night, man, was that sick or what? That's unbelievable. Some of you didn't watch it. You missed out. You missed out. Hey, I don't want to move uh, past, uh, too quickly past that video we just saw a few moments ago by Brandi Rose. I think that's that's a, her story is a perfect picture of what this church is all about. If you're a guest with us here today... I want you to hear our heart. You know, you're, you're here and you're looking at, you know, what's going on. You're seeing these videos. You hear from Brandon. You see a guy up here jumping around, rocking and rolling. His hair is flailing, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on in this place, right? Like, like let, me, let me just give you a snapshot. I'll just give you a quick picture of what's going on in this place. So what we believe God is doing here at this church, both at the Greenwood campus and the Banda campus, is that, that we believe that God is the type of God that, that accepts us right where we are. Like broken, busted, discouraged, down. Like right where we are. Like he, he says, I know where you are and it's okay. But we also believe that God has no intentions of allowing us to stay there. That he has a plan for our life to encourage us and make us stronger and make us more like himself. He accepts us where we are, but he has no intentions of leaving us where we are. And so that's that, that tension between acceptance and challenge See, in this environment here, you, you can be yourself. I love coming to church in jeans and a t-shirt it's one of my favorite things about our church because that 's just who I am. like i don 't have to try to be somebody else. like God loves me just as I am, but He has no intention of letting me stay there. so this is, this is an environment of love and an acceptance it's also an environment of high challenge. God wants to move us on and move us up to become men and women who are just like Jesus. So every week, you're going to get something that's very high challenge for you, but with lots of lots of grace, understanding that we're going to fail and fall along the way. Okay, so if you're a guest with us here today, and that sounds cool to you, and that sounds like a place that you feel comfortable, man, we welcome you here. We want want to invite you on the journey, okay? So now... We are in a series called Unbroken, and this series is all about adversity and going through difficult times. The series is actually based on a book called Unbroken that was written several years ago by Laura Hillenbrand. It was turned into a movie by Angelina Jolie uh, very recently. I think it's still in the theaters. And last week I ruined it for many of you. I tried not to, uh, but I ended up spoiling it. But, but I, really, I really didn't because if you read the book, there's so much more detail that they didn't even cover in the movie that I didn't even touch upon. And, it's, and the reason that this book and, and, and this movie has gotten so much traction is because it's, a, it's this amazing story of someone who just would not give up. And don't we love stories like that? I mean, do you remember growing up watching Rocky? Did anybody else watch Rocky? I mean, it's just so insane inspiring. We would watch it over and over, and also Rambo. That really wasn't very edifying, but Rambo was pretty cool. You just kill everybody, but anyway, but back to Rocky. Rocky was unbelievable, especially Rocky IV when when, when he beat the Russian, and he trained in Russia, and he's, you know, just got those, you know, that ripped abs, and he's just, he's just awesome, and you know, he's got to face this like 6'9 dude who just has biceps the size of I don't know what, but it's just, it's just, it's this awesome story. And we love stories like that because it's the stories of the underdog. And I believe that's why Louis Zamperini's story was turned into a movie, and it, it's inspired millions of people. It's because it's this great story of perseverance and grit, a person who just did not give up in the face of huge adversity. And again, I'm not going to get deep into the story, but the, the idea is that his plane goes down in World War II while, he, while he's on a search and rescue mission for another plane, a B-52 bomber that went missing. And uh, they crash land in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, 65 million square miles of water. They, they, they drift for 47 days. They drift on the ocean. They cover 2,000 miles. And they finally hit land. And when they hit land, their bad situation, their horrific situation goes from bad to worse. They were captured by the Japanese, and they endured two and a half years of prison, being a prisoner of war. At, during that time, in the book and in the movie, you, you see that, that Louis in particular, and many of the other soldiers as well, underwent extreme conditions. I mean, just brutal torture under the hands of a, of a psychotic, sadistic Japanese sergeant that they called the bird. At one point in, the, in, the, in Louis' testimony, he said that they injected him three times with he doesn't know what. They just took a needle and they just stuck it in him. They said, what do you feel now? And then they did it again and they did it again. They were using him as a guinea pig. I mean, it was just crazy torture that he underwent. But he never gave up. And in 1945, the war came to an end and Louis returned home with the other POWs who had survived. And surely if the war didn't end, they would have eventually, all of them would have eventually died because the, the, the conditions were so terrible. But he came home a war hero, and, and there 's more to the story, but, but the idea is that, that louis 's life is an inspiration to millions of people because he 's a person who just didn 't give up and so after you know years went by, Louis would often go back to USC and he would he would speak to the students there that 's where he ran track in college, and he, he, he uh, had a record there that was uh, in place for 15 years. He ran a mile in four minutes and eight seconds. That record held for 15 years. Anyway, he was an Olympic runner, and he would often go back to USC and just tell stories about the war and talk to students, and and one day he connected with a particular student who happened to be the quarterback at USC at that time. His name was Matt Beasley, and Matt has recently been drafted to the Eagles. He's now the quarterback of the Eagles, but during the four years at USC, they had this relationship, and, and Louis would, you know, talk to him and send him Bible verses and encourage him. This this is what matt beasley said i love this he said his story really gave me perspective and helped keep me grounded during my time at usc even now knowing whatever struggles i could i go through it could never amount to anything that he went through he came out on top he came out with perseverance stride for stride just ch- just charging through every roadblock that he faced that really encouraged me to never give up and if you set your heart on accomplishing something there will always be a way and I just love that. I love that. That's the impact that Louis Zamperini's life had on people. That you look at his life and you go, man, if you can make it through your life, then I can make it through the adversity in my life. That's just one of millions of people who have been encouraged by his story. And so last week, what we did, if you were here, you, you know, we kind of dove into, you know, how was Louis able to persevere through that adversity and come out on the other side unbroken? And what we said w- was that it was his perspective. His perspective on adversity. He learned a a statement from his brother, kind of a mantra. He would say it to himself. He, He would say, if I can take it, I can make it. And every time he would go through something difficult, he'd say that to himself. And it was his perspective that allowed him to bust through that adversity and come out on the other side. And so really what we've said in this series is that it's our, our, our perspective on adversity that either allows us to, be, to, to make it through or to be broken by it. Or another way we've said it in your notes there is that it's our perspective that, would, that will allow us to live an unbroken life how we view our adversity, how we understand it and interpret it, and we want to interpret it, and that's why we ask the question, why? Have you ever noticed that about yourself? It's natural, we all do it, all human beings, what, what we do and we go through something difficult, we say, why is this happening? Like, what's going on? Why now? Why me? Why her? Why him? Why? And what are we doing when we ask that question? What we're trying to do is gain perspective because as human beings, we're built that way. We wanna understand why we are in this situation because we feel, if we, we feel like if we can gain perspective, then we'll be okay with it. And so all this series is really about is gaining five perspectives on adversity so that you can live an unbroken life so that instead of adversity breaking you down and throwing you off course and crushing your faith or crushing your life, you actually get stronger and come out on the other side unbroken. Last week, if you were here, we said, Number one adversity, number one perspective is that God wants to use your adversity to bring about maturity in your life, that, that there's endurance in this life that you need, and that God allows you to go through difficult times to build that endurance in your life. If you missed last week, please go back and watch it online. That's why we put it there for you. I promise you it'll be a blessing to you. Now, today what I want to do is jump into the second perspective. Are you ready for it? It's in your notes. Second perspective is this, God wants to use your adversity to comfort others. God wants to use your difficulty, your financial problem, your physical problem, the pain that you have in your back. Anybody? (laughs) The loss of of a loved one, the divorce you went through, the wayward child, the difficult teenager, the difficult parents. Ooh. God wants to use your adversity to comfort others. Now, this is way different from how we normally understand adversity. Normally, when we go through something difficult, our whole focus is where? Where is our focus? Come on, talk to me. You know where the focus is. Where is the focus? Right here. Right here. It's all about me. Say, I'm going through this, and I'm in pain, and it hurts, and and let me tell you about it. (laughs) And all you have to do is ask somebody how they're doing. They'll tell you over a cup of coffee or whatever, and said, oh, and they tell you how all pa- it hurts, and this happened, but she did this, and he did that, and that's why it's so painful. We, we're, we're inward focused when it comes to our own adversities. Do you agree with this? Come on, a little honesty, a little feedback here. Yeah, God, God says, hey, hey, time out, time out. When you're going through adversity, I want to give you a different perspective. I actually have other people in mind with your adversity. That's a totally different perspective. That's a totally different way to look at the difficulties that come across in your life. What I'm telling you today is that God has other people in mind when it comes to your adversity. You might be thinking right now, man, you making this up. You sound like you're making it up. Listen, we have a whole elder board here at the church to make sure I don't make stuff up, Okay okay, I'm not making this up, like, when you come here, you can rest assured, we're going to open up the Bible, it's going to appear on the screens here, I'm going to show you this perspective, that, that this perspective actually comes from a guy named Paul, who went through some sick Louis Zamperini type of adversity, okay, I'm talking about one time, he got stoned, and they thought he was dead, I'm not talking about the stone that you smoke, I'm talking about, I'm talking about rocks. I'm talking about rocks. Like, they took rocks, and they hit him repeatedly with these rocks. And his head was bleeding, and everything was busted. And they're like, he's dead. Let's get out of here. Like, that's the type of adversity Paul went through, okay? Now, if anybody has authority to speak on adversity, it is Paul. Listen to what he says. Watch this. All praise to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father, and he's the source of all, say it with me, Comfort. Now watch how many times he uses this word comfort. Ready? Watch this. He comforts us in all of our troubles, all our trials, tribulations, adversity, so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Now watch verse 6. He continues. Even when we are weighed down with trials, adversities, troubles, pain, suffering, it is for your Comfort five times. Paul says he uses this word comfort. He basically is saying this: the reason that God allows you to go through adversity, one of the reasons, one of the perspectives I want to give you, is so that you can comfort others. I love the way Charles Stanley said it. He said it this. He said it this way: God is in the business of develop, developing comforters. Have you ever seen your adversity from that perspective before? That's life-changing. That'll alter the way you see it. In fact, if, if, you, if you could take this perspective that God is going to use your adversity to, to, to bless other people, if you could take that perspective and now enter into your current adversity or adversities that you're going to go through in the future, how would that change how you go through it? Wouldn't it give you strength, wouldn't, wouldn't it give you encouragement to say, you know what, this hurts, this is painful, this is terrible, I'd rather not be here. However, however, I know that God is in the business of developing comforters, and he's going he's to build me up in such a way that I can actually be a blessing to other people. Some of you right now, you're having some hope, aren't you? Aren't you having some hope that, that your adversity is not going to be wasted, that God does not waste pain. There's always something that he's going to leverage. There's always something that he's going to do, and what he wants to do is bless other people through your adversity. How about that? Now, I could stop right there and pray and just get out of here, and we all be blessed, wouldn't we? But I want to dive down deeper into this. I want to know, what is this comfort? This word, paracleo, Paul uses it five times. Comfort. What is that comfort? What does that comfort look like? Because that's what, that's what God is offering us in the midst of our adversity. And then he wants to take that comfort and he wants it to, to give it to other people through us, through you, and through me. What does that look like? Two things. Number one, it's strength. Strength. The comfort of God is the strength of God. See, what people need in the midst of their adversity is strength. They don't have any. It's gone. (laughs) They don't want to continue. They want to throw in the towel. They're done. They have no more strength in the midst of their adversity. And what they need is strength to continue. I'll tell you what. When you're going through your adversity and you go to God to get the strength of God, the comfort of God in your life, and he sustains you, and then you turn to somebody else, and you start dishing that out, here's what they think. Here's what they th- here- this is unbelievable. Watch this. Here's what they think. They start to think, if God sustained you in your adversity, he will certainly sustain me. And boom, you bless somebody. Did you see that? You bless somebody because you have received the strength of God. That's powerful in our lives. I love the story of Louis Zamperini. And, and again, I just, I just want to go back to it one more time because this, this, this little part of his story, when I read it on vacation a couple years ago, I just, I just cried because I, what I saw was God's hand, his miraculous power, his miraculous strength in Louis Zamperini's life. I wasn't standing in awe of Louis Zamperini. I was standing in awe of God who saved Louis Zamperini. Listen, listen to this part. I'll just read it to you. This is, this is when the plane went down and it hit the water. Okay, so now the plane is sinking. Uh, Laura Hillebrand writes, far below, Louis was still ensnared in the plane, writhing in the wires. He looked up and saw a body drifting passively. The plane coursed down and the world fled away. Louis felt his ears pop and vaguely recollected that at the swimming pool at at Redondo Beach, his ears would pop around 20 feet. Darkness enfolded him and the water pressure bore in with greater and greater intensity. He struggled uselessly. He thought to himself, hopeless. Hopeless. He felt a sudden, excruciating bolt of pain in his forehead. They had just crashed. There was an oncoming stupor, a fading, and he tore at the wires and clenched his throat against his need to breathe. He had the soft realization that this was the last of everything, and he passed out. Suddenly, he awoke in total darkness. He thought to himself, this must be death. Then he felt the water still on him, the heavy dropping weight of the plane around him. And inexplicably, the wires around his legs were gone. He was floating inside the fuselage, which was bearing him down toward the ocean floor some 1,700 feet down. He could see nothing. His May West, which was his life vest, was uninflated, but its buoyancy was pulling him to the ceiling of the plane. The air was gone from his lungs, and he was now gulping reflexively, reflexively, swallowing salt water. He tasted blood, gasoline, and oil. He was drowning. Louis flung out his arms, trying to find a way out. His right hand struck something, and his USC ring snagged on it. His hand was caught, so he took his left hand and reached out and felt along a smooth length of metal. The sensation oriented him. He was at the right open window, a waste window. He swam into the window, put his hand on the ledge, put his feet on the ledge, and he kicked off, and he was free from the, from the plane. The skin under his shirt scraped on the, on, the, on, the, on the ledge. He kicked clear, and the plane sank away. Louis fumbled, fumbled for the cords of his May vest, hoping that no one had poached the carbon dioxide canisters. Luck was with him. I think it was more than luck. The chambers ballooned, and he was suddenly light, the vest pulling him urgently upward in a stream of debris. He burst into dazzling daylight. He gasped in a breath and immediately vomited up the salt water and the fuel that he had swallowed. He had survived. I read that, and I thought, wow, this guy had God's hand on him protecting him. I mean, when you pass out 20 feet below the water after hit, after crash landing in a plane, you don't wake up. Do you agree with this? And when you do wake up, you suddenly don't get realize that all the wires that were around your legs are gone. Later on, he would testify when he was sitting under the preaching of Billy Graham that he did not understand where those wires went. When he woke up, they were gone. He was able to kick free from the, from the sinking plane See, when we go through something, and when we go to God, and when we, when we receive the strength of God, we have something beyond ourselves to give. It is not our strength. It is the divine power of God. This is why we love Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me what? See, what we're talking about here is God. God is the source of strength. We're not, we're not bringing people to ourselves we're not saying, hey, look at me and look at how strong I am. We're saying, you got to meet this God who is the source of strength. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, it says this. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Do you see where we get it from? This is our God. Our God has an endless resource of strength. And what he wants to do is give it to you in the midst of your adversity so that you can dish it out to others. Now, that's perspective. And it's our perspective that will allow us to live an unbroken life. But the comfort of God is not just strength. It's also something else. It's also hope. Number two, it's also hope. What do I mean by hope? Well, biblically speaking, hope is this idea that, hey, it's going to be all right. This is going to be another day. This this too will pass. I'm going to make it through. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But there will be a better day coming soon. That's hope. Hope is the idea that, that it's, this is not the end. It's not going to end this way. Did you know that we can even have hope in this life, even when this life seems that there, is, there are going to be no answers? I have friends who have been diagnosed with, with cancer, and they've been told to have eight months to a year to live. So even in that situation, did you know that we can have hope because we know that we'll live forever, that you are a soul, and that your soul will live forever? And so even though you might die in this life, there's still hope in the afterlife. See, the way the Apostle Paul said it is, to live is Christ and to die is gain. See that? We can have hope under any circumstances in this life. And people who are going through adversity, whatever it is in this life or they're facing death, they need hope. And that's, what, that's why we always say to people, you've got to keep hope alive. Or you've heard it said. Did you know that the entire Bible, one of the, entire, one of the reasons that the Bible has been given to, given to us is because it, it, it is designed to give us hope? That this is a book of hope? Listen to what, again, the Apostle Paul who wrote uh, 2 Corinthians, listen to what he said in Romans chapter 15. I love this. He said, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Talking about the Old Testament. And then he says this, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? Hope. See, when we read this book, we get hope. That's why I'm always challenging you to read this book. And I love the fact that you're here listening, sitting in rows to sermons. I listen to sermons all the time. But there's nothing that will ever replace you reading this book on your own because when you read this book, you are filled with hope. Let me give you a few examples. When you read about Daniel in the lion's den and the fact that he was thrown in there, these hungry lions, and God shut the mouths of the lions, and they did not eat him. And, you, and then the next day, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar comes, and he's, he's blown away by that. And you go, wow, this is this God, he does miraculous things. Or how about when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the fiery furnace, and the flames are, are so hot that, that other people died, but they, they were unhurt. Not a hair on their head was burned, and you think, whoa. wow. Or how about when the Israelites are caught between the Egyptians and the Red Sea and, and they're about to you know, be slaughtered and then God shows up and he parts the Red Sea and the Israelites walk across on dry ground and then the, the Egyptians try to follow and God closes the Red Sea on them and you go, whoa, this is the same God who lives in me that, 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 that is my Savior? If he did that for them, what could he do in my life? I'm telling you, this is a book of hope. Did you know that God is referred to as the God of hope? Look at the next couple of verses in Romans chapter 15. Look what Paul says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Did you know that it's God's will for you to abound in hope? What does it mean to abound in something? Some of you know what it means to abound in free time. You have a lot of free time, right? Right? Some of you know what it means to abound in children. You've got like six kids. You have a lot of children. You're crazy. Some of you know what it's like to abound in extra money. You have cash. You have extra. You have margin. You're abounding in money. You don't have many limitations on you when it comes to purchasing things. You know, how, you know what it's like to abound in something? It means you have a lot of something. Paul says, I want you to abound in hope. What does that look like? It looks like you're the type of person that no matter what you're going through, you're saying to yourself, you know what, it's going to be all right because God's going to use this in my life so I can bless somebody else. It's going to be all right because God's going to use this in my life to to, to become stronger and to build endurance in my life. That's what it looks like to abound in hope, that there's not much that can get you down. How is that possible? Well, we have the God of hope living in us, and he wants us through the power of the Holy Spirit to abound in hope. You know what the comfort of God is? It is hope, and it is strength. God wants to develop comforters out of you. I want you to uh, meet somebody right now. His name's Aaron Beasley. Most of you know him because he comes up every now and then and does the announcements. And I thought, there's no better way to illustrate this point than for Aaron to tell his story. Aaron was a, a high school student when I first met him. I was his high school pastor many years ago. Then he went to Liberty, the greatest college in America. And then he came back, uh, and then we hired him as our children's pastor. Spent many years blessing children, and now we've—he's uh, transitioned into our high school pastor. He has my old job. He's doing all right at it, but—but um, <laughs> but he didn't. He went through something difficult as a as a middle school student. I want you to—I want him—I want you to hear uh, his story.
1: Well, hi, my name is uh, Aaron Beasley, and as Danny said, I'm the youth pastor here. And uh, sometimes you see me on, on the stage give announcements and you know tell jokes and. A lot of people are always like, man, how are you so ha- happy and joyful? And a lot of times people uh, like to think that that's because everything's gone my way. You know, a lot of people think if you're happy or joyful, that things, life's just been perfect for you. And that's just not the case uh, in my life. I've gone through many adversities, but one of the biggest adversities that I went through was when I was in middle school, my parents got divorced. And that's really hard because as a middle school student, uh, you're trying to figure out life, and then you're getting ready to go into high school, and you're trying to figure out life. And it's really hard when your parents come to you and say, hey, we don't love each other anymore, when, when they tell you that we can't uh, do this anymore, and so we're splitting up. And so as a middle school and high school student, it was kind of like, what am I, where am I going to go? Uh, because uh, we went to church, but we were kind of that family that was kind of like, we went to church, but it was like, hey, put on your happy face, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, we're coming to church. And, and so I was kind of like, is this God thing real? You know, should I keep trusting in this? And then uh, one day, one of my friends said, hey, you should come to our youth group. And I was like, uh, okay, I don't think so. And then, you know, he, he invited me, and I was like, all right, I'll come check it out, you know, again, I'll come check it out. Because I've never been to a middle school or high school youth group or anything. And right when I walked in, um, I felt loved. I felt like uh, I was cared about. Uh, that's where I met Danny. it's where I met my adult leaders, Daryl and Melba Thornton. It's also where uh, I was told about who God really was and how God did love me. Even if I was mad at my parents at the time, I was told that I should continue to love my parents. I, I didn't like that at the moment, but they continued to tell me that you need to honor your parents. You need to love them. They continued to show me how to read the Bible. They taught me how to pray. They taught me that in this moment of distress, you need to go to God and find strength and comfort. And so I was like... Okay, well, fast forward 10 years later, I continued to pray, I continued to read my Bible. And what I realized was they were right. And now here I am 10 years later, I'm 27, and I've been able to comfort numerous other children, high school students, young adults, who have all gone through a similar thing, or they've had parent issues. Or I've been able to comfort parents and tell them this isn't the end. I've been able to comfort people who've gone through cancer or other diseases. I've been able to comfort people who've had job issues or anything of that nature just because I went through something that was extremely difficult. I look back at my life and I would never trade that in the world because now I have two families, which is awesome. I've been able to share the gospel with both of them. My parents have gotten closer to God. I wouldn't be the man I am today and I wouldn't be able to stand before you and share this story. And maybe many of you are going through something difficult yourself but what I want to let you know is it may seem like a dark moment but God has a light at the end of the tunnel that if you just keep going there's hope and there's strength. And one day you're going to be able to tell someone else about how this God of comfort, this God of strength, this God of hope has gotten you through And you'll be able to love other people just as God has loved me. Thank you very much.
0: It's a perfect picture of what I'm trying to illustrate here. It's a perfect illustration of what I'm trying to say. That when we go through adversity, God wants us to come to him and receive comfort so that we can end up being a blessing and provide strength and hope for other people. But there's a catch to all this there's a catch, and it's a pretty big catch. I want you to see this in your notes there. Adversity is not enough. Adversity is not enough. What I mean by that is just because you went something through something hard, a difficult, some type of abuse or loss or divorce or pain or cancer or some type of disease, just because you went through something difficult doesn't make, automatically make you or qualify you to be a comforter, okay? Let me give you an example. Somebody might have gone through uh, a, a tremendous addiction of some sort, and maybe they're still in it, and, and they didn't really go to God through that whole process, and then they meet somebody else who's in that same addiction, and there's some type of bond there, there's some type of connection, because miser- people who are miserable tend to ad- like to hang out with other people who are miserable, right? And there seems to be a pseudo-comforting going on there, but it's not, the, it's not true comfort. There's not, there's not that ability to say, hey, I've been there, and now I'm on the other side of that. Let me help pull you out, right? Adversity is not enough. See, the catch is this. You and I have to go to God to receive that strength and that hope. See, we cannot give something we don't have to give. Look, at the, look back with me at the text here. Listen to what it says. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that, when we com- so that we can comfort others. When they are in trouble of any kind, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. See, what we're dishing out is not our own strength. What we're dishing out is not our own hope. Just because you went through something difficult doesn't qualify you. To help, You actually have to be on the ship, safe, secure, healed. Then you can throw out a life preserver to somebody who's out there in the ocean, sinking. See, if you're, if you're out there in the ocean with them, you're going you're to drown together, right? You meet somebody at work who hates the boss, and you hate the boss, and you, you guys pull each other down. <laughs> you got to get somebody who's on, on the ship saying, man, I've been there. I was in that situation. And then, and then I went to God and got all healed up and put back together, and now, now I'm, 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 I'm safe, I'm secure. Not perfect by any means, but I'm, I'm solid. Let me throw you a line. And then you pull that person in. See, you and I have to go to God. If, you, if you're in your adversity, and, and your adversity's kicking your tail, or maybe you're on the other end of your adversity, but your faith is in shambles, and it's broken up, and you're discouraged, and you're down, and you're angry, and you're frustrated, you're in no position to help anybody. But what if you went to God? What if you called out to Him in prayer? What if you sought him with diligence? What if you went to the scriptures like I just told you to a few moments ago that Paul told us to in Romans 15? What if you, what if you went to him for healing... What if you opened up to your small group and stopped playing games and got really authentic and say, here's my problems, I need your help? What if you went, what if you spent time in silence and solitude and, and even tried some fasting and you you went to God in one of those five ways I just mentioned, and you got the healing and the peace that surpassed all understanding filled your soul and joy filled you, filled your heart. Then you'd be in a position where you could be a blessing to other people. You see? Just because you've gone through an adversity doesn't qualify you to be a comforter. You have to go to God. So here's the question I want to leave with you today. The question is this. Will you be ready? Will you be ready? There is no doubt in my mind that God is going to bring people into your life, perhaps even today, who need strength and hope. Are you going to be a comfort to them? There's no doubt about it because everybody's going through something here, aren't, aren't we? People are going, th- and going through adversity and they're going to cross your path. The question is, are you going to be able to help them or not? Will you be ready to help them? The question, the question it really depends. Will you go to God? Will you, will you go to him for comfort so that you can give out something divine to those people who are in need? that's what God wants to do. God wants to use your adversity to bless other people. He has someone else in mind when he allows adversity to come into your life. This is huge. How would that change your life if you went through your life with that perspective? Wow, that's powerful. Will you be ready? See, a couple years ago, this church went through a major transition. We've only had two pastors in 37 years. That's not, that's, that's pretty rare for a church. The founding pastor uh, uh, left the scene about nine years ago, Pastor Jim Devaney, and I took over for him. And at that time, I was 28 years old, and I was naive and filled with hope and love for Jesus, and I thought, I can do this. (laughs) I didn't realize how difficult it was to fill the shoes of a founding pastor of a church that was 30 years old. And I made some pretty big mistakes, and just to say, say, you know, say easily or quickly, it didn't go that well. I like to tell people I led the church from 2000 to 900. (laughs) And it was painful. Some of you were here during that time. In fact, raise your hand if you were here nine years ago. Yeah. Raise your hand if you were not here nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So be thankful you didn't live through that time period. Okay. Because it wasn't pretty. (laughs) I'll just be real honest with you. There were a few times during that time period where I was totally done. I had no more ideas. I had no more strength. In fact, the harder I tried to keep this church together, it seemed like another hundred people would leave. And I'd have a three-hour meeting with somebody trying to convince them that I really did love Jesus. (laughs) And they would leave anyway. And I was done. I thought, I can't do this. I don't have the strength. I don't have the insight. I have nothing left. And so I was forced to call out to God and say, God, if you don't show up and do something to convince me that you actually care about this church, I'm going to quit. And it wasn't long after that, that things started to happen. I mean, miraculous things. One Sunday morning, a dude came forward. I, I kid you not. He was sitting like right here. He comes forward. He goes, hey, I want to give you a blank check. I'm like, haha, that's funny. <laughs> We were behind on our bills by, like, thousands of dollars, okay? That's how bad it was getting. So I said, well, hey, how about this? So let's, let's meet tomorrow, and we can actually talk in my office. So he comes in, and he says, no, I want to give you a blank check. I was like, oh, okay. He said, how far are you behind on your bills? I said, about 25,000, which is a lot of money. <laughs> and he wrote a check for $25,000. I look back on that moment, and I think, what if I had said 100? <laughs> like, but I was naive! What do you know? You're 28 years old, you know what I'm saying? You, know, you learn these lessons along the way. <laughs> but I was, I, hey, I was so blown away that when I held that check, I was like, what? I didn't know this guy, I didn't ask him anything, I didn't tell him this story, and I thought, God, you love your church more than I love your church. And you're going to sustain this church. Whether I'm here or not here, you are faithful. And man, I was filled with strength. I was filled with hope. I mean, I was going nuts. And I thought, this is it. This is going to work. This is going to happen. And then people started coming. And you all started bringing your friends. And people started getting saved and crazy stuff. Oh, what a ride it's been. But I almost quit. I almost gave up because I thought, man, this is so discouraging. This is so... This is so hard, and I know, and it hasn't happened yet, it hasn't happened yet, but I know one day in my future as I get older and all this stuff, one day I'm going to be, and I've already told God this, I said, God, I will be available for you to use me to bless pastors, younger pastors who want to quit because it's so hard, because the transition's difficult, because I know that you care about your church more than I do and more than they do. And if they would just stay faithful, if they would just trust you, if they would just turn to you for strength and hope, you will provide and find a way. It hasn't happened yet, but one day in the future, I know I'm going to be able to pass on that strength and that hope to other pastors. That's the way it works. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that's God's plan for adversity. He allows us to go through it so that we can be a blessing to other people. You with me? That's some sweet perspective right there, folks. That's some sweet stuff. Okay. Now here's how I want to close. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Remember the catch? The catch, the catch was you got to go to God. So we're going to close with a song right now. During this song, it's not time to leave. It's time to go to God. Okay? I want you to call out to him during this song. And then when the song's over, I'm going to come back up here and close this service out. You turn to him now. Every single one of us is going to go through adversity. The question is, are you going to go through it alone? Or are you gonna go through it with the God of hope, the God of comfort, the God who is the source of strength? That's my choice, that's your choice. I've made that choice. When I was 17 years old, I put my faith in Christ, and I'm not going through this life alone. When I go through adversity, I don't have to face it by myself. I've got Christ living inside of me. I can turn to him and ask for strength and hope, and I do regularly. The question is to you. Do you have Christ in your heart? Have you asked Him to be your Savior? Or are you going through this life all alone in your own strength? You don't have to. It's actually His plan to be in your life, to be in a relationship with you. You say, how do I start a relationship with Christ? It's, it's so easy that a child could do it. What you do is you put your faith in Christ. You say, Christ, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again the third day, and I believe that you did that to wipe away my sin so that I can be reconciled back to the Father. See, sin and God don't mix. It's like oil and water. They don't go together. So someone had to do something about sin, and you know what God did? He stepped in, and he did what we could not do. He had Christ die on the cross to wash away our sins. Is anybody excited about that? He did that so that you could be in a relationship with him so that you could know him, so you you didn't have to go through this life alone, but rather with the God of hope and with the God of strength by your side. And some of you right now, you need to put your faith in Christ and begin a relationship with him right now, in this very moment, just like I did, just like many other people did, just like Brandy did in the video we saw. If you'd like to do that right now, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head. And what you're doing right now is you're putting your faith in Christ. You're asking to forgive your sins. You're not joining a church. You're not trying to be a good person. You're not joining a religion. You're beginning a relationship with Christ, the very God who created you, by putting your faith in Him. If you feel led to do that right now, just reach out to Him in prayer right now in faith and say these simple words to Him. He's listening. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've broken your laws, gone my own way, but today I'm turning to you for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm asking you to to wash me, to clean me up, to forgive me. I'm asking you to make me your child. I trust you in this very moment. I believe, Jesus, that you, that you died and, and you rose again so that I could be in a relationship with you. And please, I pray that you'd give me the strength and the grace to live the rest of my life, every day, the rest of my life, to honor you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now listen, if you just put your faith in Christ, our church loves to give give out a Bible to those who put their faith in Christ and here's why, it's because we believe with all of our heart that sermons are great, we love sermons, but when you read the scriptures, God speaks directly to you and and so when you put your faith in Christ, you begin a relationship with him. This is the way he speaks to you through this book primarily and you speak to him through prayer. So if you prayed to receive Christ today, there's tables back to my left and to my right. If you're in the balcony, you can come down and grab one. If you're down on the main floor, you can go back there and grab one. If you prayed to receive Christ today, grab one of these and begin reading. Can we honor God for what he's done today? Hey, I'm going to pray, and then I'm, these guys are going to finish out this song. You feel, please feel free to stay and finish worshiping with us, and uh, you may be dismissed. Heavenly Father, God, we are so, so glad... That we can gather together and open up your word and receive perspective. Perspective about our life so that we can live this life in such a way that honors you and glorifies you. And, and uh, attain that abundant life that you promised to give us. Thank you for giving this, us this perspective today that you will use adversity in our lives to be, so that we can be a blessing to other people. Help us to, to put that perspective on and live our lives that way. Thank you for those who put their faith in Jesus. Please give them the courage to go back and grab a Bible and begin reading. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love you. God bless you.